afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And what a way to start the month of June. We're going to talk about how literally on Thursday this market trade could have cared less about who was dry and who wasn't. And then we hit the Friday morning. And before that midday, suddenly kind of noticed that, oh, we might have some issues out there. We're also going to talk about the EPA decision out there. We'll talk about this cash cattle market. Do we see a blow-off top happening within trade? And, of course, because I've got Sean Hackett joining us, we're going to have to talk what's going on in the dairy industry as we hit June Dairy Month. And as I just mentioned, it's Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. And, and Sean, i got to start out with the, with this whole weather issue because yesterday on a Thursday trade, it, weather wasn't that big of a deal, but it definitely did a turnaround come Friday. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, we don't really hurt uh, crops here in, in, in early June, but we start to look for what the setup could be what, to get into the first part of pollination later in the month. We are, at, as of today, you know, we are one of the driest starts to June that we've seen in about 40 years. In fact, we're drier right now on this day than we were in 2012. Doesn't mean this is 2012, but, you know, we are we are set up that if, you know, if we don't turn the tide here and we bring some heat later in the month, you know, we are, you know, going to quickly look at some rapidly deteriorating crop conditions and yield prospects in an area that we have not seen it since 2012, which is the central eastern grain belt, which, as you know, Susan, has been able to avoid throughout the last couple of years and has had a, a long string of good crops. Um, it looks to me like, you know, we they may – Finally, uh, you know, have a year where they may not get that perfect crop and that 350 bushel yield that they're accustomed to in corn. And I think the market is starting to get nervous with record short positions by speculators that maybe the El Nino weather pattern that everyone has been thinking was going to happen, you know, may not take place in time for the corn crop. So as you look at the at the bigger picture, I mean, a lot can change between now and and harvest time. But in the stance that we're sitting right now, is it the corn market that's going to have to be watched closely to get sort of in indications of what we might see in the rest of the grain complex? That's the way we are looking at it, Susan. You know, we know that we really can't and we don't typically hurt the soybean crop until you get to, let's say, at least the back half of July, especially into August. But um, and obviously winter wheat, you know, is, is, is about to be harvested spring wheat grown in the northern plains. So this is really about corn driving the entire grain complex. Um, and then after, it, let, let's say that happens, then the market then has to determine if we're going to have a rough July. You know, will this carry over into August? Will soybeans have issues as well? But right now I think the market's going to take its cues. If you look at a chart of the corn market, we made a low and last uh, earlier in the week when soybeans and wheat made new lows, corn did not make new lows, showing independent strength. It's the leading horse. We need to watch it. So what, what for you is going to be the attention getter in the next you know, week and a half, two weeks, as we look at these weather models moving in and out, as you get the feel of what Chicago's seeing? The most important thing is the dry pattern is in place, and I don't believe we're going to see that change much. It's really a, a very reliable pattern that's going to stay there. But remember, Susan, it's got to be hot and dry. If it's cool and dry or it's normal and dry, the grain belts in Iowa and Illinois, the kind of black dirt that they have, they, they get a quarter inch of rain, 
they can, you know, they can kick the can down the road. So it's really, really important to see the heat coming in to that central eastern grain belt later on in June. And so I would be looking at the weather models bringing that heat in. Right now, the long-term models are showing that, but the market's very suspect of the longer-term models. We want to get that we're in within that two-week window, the market gains confidence. So that, to me, if we're still showing that heat coming in late month, you know, then the market's going to have, have to put some, some substantially more weather premium in on, in the corn market in a hurry. So how do you see this, or would it have an effect on the way we see the ethanol trade? Is there's been a lot of pressure on that market, and obviously we need the corn for the ethanol. Well, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, if we start getting a, a big move in the corn market and we're not getting a commensurate move in the ethanol market, obviously the margins will, you know, be squeezed. My hope would be that ethanol producers have been smart and have been able to take advantage of this big decline in corn and hopefully have got themselves buttoned up into the end of the year. If they if they haven't, you know, I certainly would be looking to protect some upside price risks. If I'm an ethanol plant, I don't have all my corn covered for my needs through you know the end of the year. You know, I definitely would use some risk mitigation here. I think this is a time to not play games with that, especially if you can make margins where the corn price currently is. And to keep the emotion out of it altogether as well. Yeah, you have to keep the emotion. The minute you start getting emotional, you start panicking, you start you know, making rash decisions, you, you know how quickly one decision parlays into another bad decision, and all of a sudden you know, you're, 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 you're not looking uh, at like a very profitable ethanol plant at all. So, so this is something that, that, that you have to be very tactical, and that's why we try to forecast well in advance to give people plenty of time to prepare in a plan of action. We've been talking about this central eastern grain belt drought potential for nine months now. So everyone who's been listening to what we've been suggesting, you know, should be well prepared on what they would do if this pattern starts to verify, which it looks like that it is now. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We come back, we'll talk a little bit about the EPA, this decision that's going to be happening. What does that mean? Is the market's catching the attention there? We'll also talk about what's going on in this cash cattle market. Crazy, the numbers that they're seeing coming out of the south, the north as well. And we'll take a look at where this dairy industry is moving as we are now into June Dairy Month. It's a Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle Hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. Let's talk about the EPA decision, Sean. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's a very big decision. The market was extremely disappointed earlier in the year when the initial preliminary uh, report was put out that they were showing very little increased uh, mandated growth in renewable diesel and such. 
and the bean oil market took a hit, and the, mar- and the soybean market started taking a hit on the idea that the bean crush has been greatly over-exaggerated if that's the ultimate policy. But a final policy has been delivered to the administration, and it has to be released by June 14th. So it could come out any day between now and June 14th. And obviously, if they were to come out with a more aggressive number for larger quantities of renewable diesel that will be uh, subsidized and mandated, that could bring the whole bean oil market back in terms of demand and higher prices and require a much higher bean crush. When we look at commercial operators, Susan, the commercials are very, very long, the bean oil market right now, and they're actually pretty bearish in the bean meal market. doesn't mean commercials are always right, but they're positioning in this commitment of traders, you know, they're positioned for a more bullish uh, EPA um, report here. So, you know, if, if I would have to, you know, weigh whether the probability is just the fact that the people who probably should know more about what this report's going to say are betting with their money uh, that they're going to have a more friendly report. If that's true, then we could have some demand-driven moves here in the soybean complex that we haven't seen in a while, and it could really be a very, very important long-term shift in sentiment that we lost when that preliminary report just just didn't provide what the market was expecting. Switching over gears, let's take a look at the livestock side. And as I always, I love to have you talk about what's happening in the dairy industry and what you're seeing with prices now that we're into June Dairy Month. Well, what's interesting is you know the hog market and the dairy market are seeing margins arguably the worst ever, um, in, in many cases, as bad or worse than 09. Um, well, you know, that can only go on for so long, Susan, you know, when you were rupturing equity, like we were doing in the cattle industry, uh, you know, several years ago when the fires and COVID and, you know, that sort of thing, you can only reduce the equity for so long before there's a supply consequence to the equation and when you look at how high cattle prices are right now the cold cow prices for dairy for example are so high that dairy producers are have no choice but to liquidate less productive uh, dairy cows at record pace to raise money to survive so that is bad in the short run in terms of you know we have a very low milk price but it means much lower production later on in the year and as African swine fever subsides in China and we have a meat protein shortage redeveloped later this year, milk protein is a huge beneficiary of that. So, you know, as, as, as ugly as things are now, I do see light at the end of the tunnel from, uh, you know, from what's happening. But it, but it is a very difficult time for dairymen, but I do believe we're near the end of it. So, Is there some leverage going on? Um and is that the name of the game for this for this cattle market? It seems to me, you know, obviously, you know, we know for for months upon months that we've been talking about, you know, these low animal feeding units. We're into the grilling season, and it just seems there's orders that have been committed, and and cattle haven't been purchased, and there's some panic buying going on. But when I look at Tyson Foods, one of the worst quarters in their corporation's history, when I look at JBS, the largest meat processor in the world, one the worst quarter they've ever had in history in terms of you know losses and, and, and lack of profitability. Much of that has to do with this, um, you know, what's going on with the weak pork cutout with the high cattle price. I mean, you know, those 
entities aren't going to continue to pull animals through the chain if they're going to continue to lose money like they have in the last quarter. So, you know, everybody in the system, you know, has to make money at some point. And right now, no one's making money. So it seems to me uh, that in the cattle industry specifically, we might be getting ourselves a little bit ahead of ourselves. And oftentimes when you see a market go straight up like this in a vertical panic move, one needs to be on the lookout for an exhaustion top and some kind of a violent reversal. Doesn't mean that's the ultimate top, by the way, but it it is a sign of typical of a final panic before maybe some kind of a calming down in the marketplace, which would make sense as we reach peak seasonal grilling demand. And real quick, the the, the South definitely is pushing the numbers when we saw some higher cash jump as much as nine dollars. Well, he did. I mean, obviously, the Packers are undercovered. They need they need animals. They've had commitments. They've got to pull the animals through, even if they're not making money. And so it's a mad dash to try to find those animals. That's good. So what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We also have a Twitter page, at Faradix11. You can also find us on LinkedIn, where we have make comments from time to time and put some of our interviews out about how we look at weather. All right, sounds good. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.